Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with Connor Eagleson, and Connor is just a, an amazing story. Here's a young guy who decided to completely quit his job, go work for someone else who he thought he could learn a bunch of stuff from, and from that launches this awesome career that who knows where it's going to take him next. We dive into his real estate investing decisions and why he went through that, some of his schooling, the books he reads what he's doing next, his thoughts on life. I actually get to ask him his opinion on some books I read when I was about his age because I was just very curious about some of these older books and how maybe someone in their late 20s today is digesting that information, what they think of that information because in my mind, those books place or, or have such a special place in my heart. I wanted to understand if they're still applicable and it sounds like they are. So we dive into all of it. If you know anyone who is in their 20s, early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, and is looking for someone else their age who's doing great stuff, definitely share this episode with them. Connor, I'm really thankful that you came in and shared this story and that we get to share it like this. I think you're going to inspire a lot of different people and we want to encourage you along your journey. If anything we can do for you, we will always be supportive. And if you are listening to this and you want some real estate information from Rockstar, you can check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. That's youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. The very latest two that we have on there, depending on when you're listening to this, one is a bit about the economy, M2 and the money supply here in Canada and how it's affecting real estate prices. Another one that we recently put out is how to use technology to automate and screen tenants for any of your rental properties better and faster than Nick and I ever did it 20 years ago. So it's just a great YouTube video by Anthony and our team, how to use technology to screen and automate your tenant selection process. Those are both available at youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Caradza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Connor Eagleson. And um, Connor, let's just start at the very beginning. How the heck, first of all, you're 28 years old. Yes. And uh, I just I just read as a refresher a bit of your story. Um, you have an interesting journey here, man. So walk me through this. First of all, how did you stumble upon Rockstar and us? Take me through that and then let's go from there. Sure, so great question. Um, I gotta do a bit of a backstory to, to get to that point, I guess. So for me, um, I was actually just listening to one of your podcasts with Joe um, last week, and he talks about, you know, having the having to have the frustration to make a change. Right. So for me, like everything was always good in, in life. Grew up, you know, a um, nice family, parents, supportive uh, middle of between two sisters. So small went to, town, went to Western, went you to Western, like the classic Canadian story. Exactly. Right <laughs> yeah. Parents met at Western. I meet a girl at Western. Um, but before that, you know, I was kind of small town between um, Plattsville, Plattsville, Ontario, between Don't Kitchener and Woodstock okay. on the 401. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So I've pro probably been very close to it many times and yes. not knowing it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right outside Kitchener, Waterloo. So small town um, was kind of on track to get into policing. So for me, like wanting to serve others, help, you know, be a part of the community, always involved in sports and everything like that. 
So yeah, I went to Western, studied criminology and, and sociology, thinking that would be my path. Um, so yeah, at Western, met, uh, met a girl. We were just talking before this, um, the inner tube water polo. Um, so intramurals, we worked together. And, um, I had no idea there was inter... T- no, sorry. I was going to say intertube. Intertube water polo. Intertube, yes. Made up sport. And we, we worked it together. So her name was Maggie. And um, I was smitten on her from the start. I asked her out uh, that year and she, she turned me down. Um, funny story there. But, uh, but we ended up reconnecting a couple years later. So after university, I was pursuing policing, doing the auxiliary program with the OPP. So volunteer work there. Had a couple interviews. And then when I got together with Maggie... Um, another significant thing for me personally, uh, my dad had uh, colon cancer. So she came in, you know, we started, we got back together. We, uh, we met up in London two years after I finished school. So really great timing there because she was like a huge support for me when, when my dad was going through that. And, um, and then a few months later, she... Sorry, how's your dad now? He's good. Sorry. Yeah, everything's good. Strong guy, like really, um, really involved in the community. So he, um, he powered through everything there. And then uh, so with Maggie, towards the end of 2017... She had the opportunity to uh, go to New Zealand for a teacher's college. And I had an interview with the OPP right before that. So I was either thinking like, I'll move forward with that or I'll go to New Zealand. So the OPP didn't work out. So then I was like, okay, pretty great backup plan. Um, So we go to New Zealand for 2018 and she did teacher's college. I was working over there um, doing construction. So doing like concrete um, and we do like specialized curb work for like really nice houses. So it was really great because it saw... A lot you, of the landscape. You could legally pick up a job or are you just working for cash on the side there? Yeah, no. So I went to a recruitment agency when I got there within a couple of weeks because they had the big um, earthquake in 2011. So they still called it like the Christchurch rebuild. So lots of construction work if you're willing to do hard work. And it was perfect for me. Bike to work every day, hop in the truck, shovel some concrete, like get a good workout. And also we had like the guy that I worked for was really flexible, be able to travel, have weekends off, make a little bit of money while doing that. And then uh, halfway through... Um, biking to uh, to work one morning, um, someone pulled out right in front of me, got hit by a car on my bike, so flew off my bike. Um, very lucky, I only broke my my elbow, so my left elbow. So I had surgery over there. Um, you know that was kind of an eye opener as well. So I talked about the first event was my dad getting sick. Second event was um, that getting hit by the car, just kind of changing my perspective on on things. In, in what way? Just in terms of what's like really important. Like I remember sitting in the hospital room, like kind of reflecting on on some things and like just really realizing, you know, kind of shifting in terms of what, what I'm grateful for, what's most important. Um, and then, so when we came home from New Zealand, um, what happened then? So it's, it's all a bit of a whirlwind. So for me, I started getting into sales and um, that's where like the skill set that I had trying to pursue policing was pretty applicable to sales as well, like being able to interact with people, communication. Uh, Maggie had actually suggested like you should you should get into sales. So she hooked me up with one of her uh, her friend's dads who I got into in the transportation industry. So that was the beginning of 2019. So I was doing that. And then um, were you scared when you entered sales? So mm -hmm. 2019. So you're 26, 25, 26, something like that. Yes. Were you petrified? I mean, most people when they get into sales are (laughs) I was going to say clueless because you don't know what you're walking into. Usually, usually as a new salesperson, you have a crap comp plan. You have a crap territory that nobody else wanted and everything kind of sucks, but you overcome all of that Mm -hmm. and you grow as a person and you become unstoppable. Yeah. So it's like a weird progression in sales. Yeah. uh, If you stick with it. 
and uh, you being thrown in at that age without having doesn't sound like a ton of sales experience before mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. How was that? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. So I wasn't really scared. I think the good part of all that was getting out and doing some cold calling and just knocking on doors. Um, I was dealing with a lot of mechanics, so it was the transportation industry. So being able to build you know r- rapport with people, get into the the purchasers, then then. Um, Actually, the guy that hired me, he believed a lot in, in me, necessarily like teach the sales skills if, if the person's the right fit. Um, so that was great. Um, I kind of took on some more territory, everything you're saying very, very quickly because things were going well. And uh, they, they saw a great future for me, which was awesome. Um, then when COVID hit, um, going back to kind of the, the frustration and whatnot, I didn't really have any frustration like in motivation to make a, a big change because everything was great with the sales job. Maggie and I actually, uh, July 2019, we, we picked up our first property. So um going back a little bit in, in university, we were just speaking with Aiden there. My dad bought our, um, our student house. So at Western, so I was exposed a little bit Smart to move. Yeah. To, <laughs> to landlordship. And, and I wish at the time that I, that I knew that I, that I cared more about real estate and whatnot, but, um, you know, kind of collected rent and did a few things around the house. And like, it was a great learning experience. They put my name and a friend of mine's name on title, my dad and, and, and a buddy of his to buy the place. So that was great. Um, when I went to New Zealand, they, they actually ended up selling it a couple of years later. Um, but, um, I didn't really have the full real estate bug at, at that point. So fast forward 2019, I knew, I knew the value of the real estate and having income coming in from the property. So Maggie and I start looking why for a did, place. Why did you understand the value by that point? Um, well, I saw the numbers when, when my parents had the place for university, like I was enough to, to manage that and be on the joint accounts. And I was like, like what this is like all of a sudden it was at this number now it's this and the house is worth like double that like it's funny you're saying that because something i don't think we've shared too much is one of the reasons nick and i got involved was one of uh into real estate was one of my friends who went to mac mm-hmm. he we were i think we were playing uh men's league hockey or mid or mid 20s um or i guess it'll be early 20s somewhere in our 20s maybe it wasn't during men's league hockey now i'm forgetting where he shared that with me but anyway he was at mac um and and right after leaving mac he's like tom it's crazy there's these houses out there where I was renting and all of us were paying this landlord. And this guy was collecting, you know, a few thousand dollars a month. I did the math on this thing. This guy's crushing it. And I remember thinking, this sounds like a good gig. Yeah. What are these student rental uh, properties? And I think right around then I had just finished Rich Dad, Poor Dad or yeah. something like that. And uh, that's what got us. It was actually student rentals that mm-hmm. really captured my attention mm-hmm. um, from the get-go. So it did the same thing for you. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I actually, a friend of mine um, introduced me to Rich Dad, Poor Dad a few years ago. It never really fully clicked with me. And even my dad, like I remember him offering for me to buy in. And I was like, oh, I don't know, like I got my summer money. Like, do I want to spend it on this? So I didn't really fully understand the value of it and said, but that was a great experience because then in 2019, when we're looking for our first place, Maggie had eyes on like a lot of my buddies um, outside of uh, Kitchener, Lou and Baden. They bought like places in 2015 before everything ticked up really nice places, like, you know, their, their homes for the next 20 years here. They got them at a good price. So she sees some of that and she's like, can we get one of those? And I'm like, no, we got to get something where we have two units so we can live in one and rent the other one. So that was some, some back and forth. It, it's been great uh, going through that process. So the, the same friend, um, helped, you know, get us a place. And so we moved into the, to the top unit and there was someone in the basement that had been there for quite some time. Um, so that was, that was awesome. So we're saving a bit of money and being able to build some equity and I'm doing the sales job. Good for you, man. You're playing the long game. Good for you. Yeah. So Maggie, uh, got to give her a big shout out for being on board with that because it's a bit of a a sacrifice short term for, for the long term rights. And then, um, fast forward to the the whole, back to the whole realizing a frustration. So we went to Jan, um, January of 2020, right before COVID, we went to Mexico with some friends and Maggie and I both read Rich Dad, Poor Dad on the beach, right? So I know everyone, I've heard so many people on the podcast here talk about the Purple Book story. 
And uh, so we're reading on the beach and Maggie, like even me, I didn't fully click with everything, but Maggie was kind of like, you know, what if we move out of our place and then rent it out and then make more money than the house costs us? So that kind of got the wheels spinning. I came home from, from Mexico was the day we got home. We had this great week um, in the warm. And then I went for a jog outside and it was like minus 20 freezing cold. And like, it was just weird. Like things just clicked for me. And all of a sudden, like, I was like, this isn't a job that I'm super happy with. Like, there's a lot more potential here. Like, what, what am I kind of doing? A lot of stuff I've heard you speak about actually on, on the podcast as well. Um, so that was the motivation for me to kind of lead to the start of last year. I just had this burst of energy in terms of, you know, we can be doing more. And so we kind of came up with a plan. Um, we moved down into the basement to do some renovations and whatnot. And so we upgraded that, put some new people in upstairs. Um, at that same time, um, I got introduced to your podcast. So same friend, um, Spencer, I got to give him a big shout out. He, he put me onto your podcast because I was like, man, I want to learn more about real estate. Like, I feel like there's much more potential than what I'm doing right now. And so he put me onto your podcast and then I found um, Craig Valentine. Um, Before we get to Greg, kudos to you. You guys moved into the basement. Mm -hmm. Good yeah. for you, man. Yeah. So nobody does that shit. Good so, for you. Yeah, we did that. It's uh, it's like a 500 square foot one bedroom, which is it's all we really need right now. And we completely updated it because it had been, you know, 10 years without any any updates. Let's put a new countertop. So it'll be really nice now whenever we do move out for the next for the next people, um, which is awesome. And then we got some great tenants upstairs to a young couple. So we're kind of friends with them even. So like trying to not mix business with uh, with the personal. But that's it's been fantastic there. And then, yeah, so I got into with Craig. Um, that's when like the whirlwind really started because for me, that was my first introduction to like mentors, business coaching, um, hopped on a call with Craig's team after hearing him on your podcast. So let me just pause you there for, for those of you listening who don't know Craig Ballantyne. Craig is, uh, he's a lot of things, but I guess maybe like a performance coach, a business coach, yeah. sales coach, time management coach, yeah. kind of covers all these things. And I think, I feel like we've had him on a couple times and I don't know when you heard him. We had him on right when COVID, I thought, broke so out. Was that the episode that you're talking about? This was about? a podcast. Like, I just quickly started absorbing all of your podcasts. And I think it was from, like, 2018. So I was oh, back. Oh, before. Yeah. Okay, awesome. When I was in the outside sales role, I had the time. I was driving quite a bit. So I was absorbing. Oh, he was in our old office in person yeah. for that episode. Wow, now I remember. Yeah. Holy smokes. I forgot that episode. Okay. Yeah, so just um, resonating with everything he was saying. Signed up for his coaching program. And then from there, they kind of put me on a path of building further sales skills. Um, in terms of like a phone sales closer role. So I went through some trainings um, and then he brought me on his team actually because um, I was you know, doing some weekly updates with him, letting him know everything I was working towards. And he's like, I want this guy to, to be on my team. So I came on to his team as a sales closer, had some success. He referred me to a few other people. And then I got connected through that um, to a company down in the States called High Impact Coaching. So we help coaches build and scale online coaching businesses. So whether you're a life coach or a health coach, business coach of your own, um, giving them like the sales, marketing, all the skills they need for that. So that was May of, of last year. So there was a bit of a period there where I know you've talked a lot on the podcast about, you know, I got into, I was getting up, you know, implementing all of Craig's perfect day formula, all of that. I was getting up at five, doing my own work to work towards the sales skills, exercising a bit, going off to my normal job, handling everything there. Um, coming home, doing calls in the afternoon and the evening for, for the sales closer role. So um, it was quite a busy window in terms of getting caught up in everything I had going on from, from March there until July. And at the same time with COVID and everything, um, my, my day job, everything was still great, but a lot of negativity going around seeing customers and, and whatnot. Like it was just starting mm -hmm. to, to drain me. And, um, you know, I had the proof of doing this phone sale stuff. And then the company that I got referred to in the States, High Impact Coaching, they said, like, we want you to come on full time. 
And uh, so that was that was a um, you know deciding moment in terms of taking the leap to, to quit my job and then get into the, the full commission role. So um, I'd done it long enough that I felt comfortable with it. You know, parents and everything. Dude, it feels like last that was a big year for you last year, man. Yeah, everyone talks about COVID and everything that happened, but last year was you know, Maggie. And last I year was like a positive for you. Yeah, it was. A, it was a big year in terms of having that frustration, right? Like like you spoke about and, and Joe and hitting for me, it was like the positive bottom of everything is great in my life. Like I've got this amazing partner. We've got a great future. Like we've our parents have set us up with a lot, but for for me, like it was that that moment of realizing that, that I want something more. And actually, I was just um, telling Maggie it was something I read in, in Think and Grow Rich um, in the book. It's like it's page 39. They talk about uh, awaking that the potential within within someone. Abraham Lincoln, like it was when he met uh, a woman again to, to go back to Maggie before I was kind of thinking longer. Maggie's going to be very proud of you. You're bringing her name up a lot. It's <laughs> yeah, really gonna cool. be in the good. Books, good for right? you. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, but that's when, when we started getting together. That's when those pieces started falling in place in terms of thinking more long term instead of just, you know, on the weekend, hanging out with buddies, like which was great. And that was very awesome. Like I never had any problems, couldn't complain, had great friends, but starting to think about the future. And, you know, again, my, my friend that was working towards the um, real estate and everything, like he had kind of, he'd been connected with you guys. So a few years back, he was trying to tell me like, read rich dad, poor dad, do these things, but I wasn't ready to hear it yet. So that there's always that too, like in terms of the right pieces coming together. But, but yeah, so when, when COVID hit my manager at my day job, I remember him making some jokes about like, Oh, you're lucky you even have a job. So I kind of was like, ah, it doesn't sit that well with me. And I took it like take the responsibilities. The other thing that is a common theme on this podcast, right? Of starting to build my own skills with with the sales. Um, well, that's ultimate freedom. When you take responsibility for every single thing in your life, mm-hmm. including your relationship with Maggie and the mm-hmm. relationship with whoever else is going to be. And I'm I'm just thinking at one day you may have kids and stuff. Yeah. Just, your whole your whole life, you have to take personal responsibility. And when you mm-hmm. own it, mm-hmm. there's no one to blame. Yeah. And you end up either deciding then that you're going to get positive about life and fix it. Mm-hmm. Or you're just going to constantly try to look for people to blame that nobody should be owning any kind of responsibility for your life. So yeah. it just doesn't work. Like yeah. it doesn't reconcile in your brain. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way I looked at it anyway. So I'm like everything around me, my mood today, how I feel today, my schedule this week, my schedule this, everything is my responsibility, mm-hmm. everything. And there's a certain sense of freedom that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so good on you for figuring that kind of stuff out. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious before we go more here. The, for your age to read Think and Grow Rich, that's written in like old English. Mm-hmm. How did you handle that book? Was it easy to get through? The only reason I'm thinking about that now is my son being 19. That's one of the books that's on my radar. Yeah. And I and I often think, ah, that was really impactful for me around the age of, I think, 26 is mm-hmm. when I read that book, 25, 26. Mm-hmm. And I may, I don't know, maybe I'm weird and that's why it was okay with me. But now I'm hearing you at 20, you know, eight or 27, whenever yep. you read that book. Yeah. Um, it seemed to work for you. Mm-hmm. How was it getting through that book? Was it a difficult read? Or ah, was it? It's funny because I showed Maggie that quote and she's like, this is really hard to read. And like, <laughs> I know. It really? Yeah. I felt back then, I think it was a bit hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> I showed her on the way here actually and I was telling her like, oh, I'll have to talk about this on the podcast. And she's like, she was like, oh, that's really sweet. And I was like, more more brownie points. But um, <laughs> but no, reading, like, so that was another thing I was going to talk about. I know you've talked about a lot on the podcast is it seemed like, like after university, for me, it was kind of like, not like a fixed mindset, but it was always, it didn't have that, that desire to keep learning and, and, and growing. So I kind of put off like any kind of reading. I was never really into reading until um, when, you know, when we got home from Mexico, it was, it was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Even when I was reading through that the second time, still wasn't fully resonating with it until Maggie, like we started talking about, we were both reading it together. So that was the first one that we really got through. And then like I went through the Rich Dad series, started going through some of like um, 
um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, like the, these different ways of thinking, shifting your mindset. The, so Harvecker's book? Yes. Yeah, yeah that on. one was a big one for me. And then, um, yeah, so Think and Grow Rich, like <laughs> I've tried to implement my routine of, of reading before bed, like following kind of Craig's formulas and whatnot. And some of those ones, like that's one where I'll tackle it during the day. Like if you're trying to read that in the last 20 minutes before bed, like you're saying, it, it can, it'll put you to sleep. It'll put you yeah, to yeah. sleep. Yeah. So uh, change the time of day when I go through certain, certain books like that. Um, but yeah, so where was I? I was talking about um, the frustrations of the day job. So then I went full time with the, the sales role. And the biggest thing about all that that we were just reflecting on is that freed up my time. Like we, I was going through one of those busy seasons, like, like you always talk about, where people don't learn about Bitcoin and these other things because they're so busy with the day to day and they have their kids and they got their job and they got all their different it things. It hurts like, me. It yeah. hurts me because I feel like everybody needs to, mm-hmm. but I can't blame them either mm-hmm. because they are busy mm-hmm. and you do have to make the rent payment and the mortgage payment yeah. and pay your bills. Mm-hmm. So I can't blame anybody for mm-hmm. not paying attention to annoying people like mm-hmm. myself who just yammer on yeah. about Bitcoin all day yeah. long. And, and, you know, and the reason I'm talking about Bitcoin is that we've, I feel like we've been yammering on about real estate for 20 years, mm-hmm. but we just think it's the perfect combo. Like you marry real estate. Yeah. And, and, and Bitcoin together, I feel like it's almost the next 10 years, you're going to be unstoppable for mm-hmm. many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, good. That's good that we, t- you turned into that annoying person who talked about all this stuff. Well, so going back to being in the car and listening to podcasts. I mean that as a positive way. <laughs> when I say annoying, I don't mean you're actually annoying. Oh, no, I'm annoying my friends and my family now <laughs> trying to get them on board. But um, no, listening to the podcast, you start, I remember you had Seyfedean on and then you have Jeff Booth on and then you have brought Rob Love. Like, Hearing all these guys, that's that's the mindset Maggie and I have taken with all this since we've been put onto the podcast is like, these guys are pretty smart. Like they know what they're talking about. Um, why don't we just follow? It's the whole success leaves clues, right? It's it's not that hard. Um, so we, we, you know, when I got in with Craig, he's, you know, as you know, he's all about the long-term vision. And so we, we've kind of got an idea of where we want to go with everything. Doing some of that introspection work is, was really powerful. And then when I was able to leave... So my, let me pause you there. The introspection work. What what type of intro, introspection work was powerful? Can you map out details around that? Was yeah. that like in the morning that you did some of that? And what did you specifically do? Yeah, for sure. So mornings was definitely it for me. Um, just kind of implementing the whole perfect day where get your non-urgent important work done first thing in the morning. So before kind of cut off all social media, um, cut off TV, all that stuff. So it got up at, at five, like it's tough at first, but then you make, make it a habit. Um, get up at five, get in right to my computer. I started implementing some journaling. Um, and then, yeah. What go- were you using for journaling? Just typing in a, like a notepad thing or a paper and pen? I've got pen and paper. So I'll do some some, uh, some some fear journaling stuff, anything that's kind of troubling you because it's all, it's all mindset. That's what I've come to learn. Like everything with, with sales, with what I'm doing now, like it's all mindset and, you know, it's your fears that stop you from, from taking those actions. So just addressing that, that's something I've implemented over the past four or five months. I wasn't always doing that at, at the very beginning. So you get those times where like, you know, commission based and income's not coming in and, you know, maybe something's going on with the house and it's like, oh, it seems overwhelming at the time. So just clearing some of that out of your head is, has been really huge for me. Um, so yeah, that's in the mornings and then getting into like a 90 minute block of, you know, non-urgent important work like Craig talks about. So that's where I would do my sales trainings. And then once I quit my job and was able to have more time, um, I was turning that to then having time to focus back on, on real estate, like not just being caught up in playing catch up, but being able to start planning ahead. Right. So we started in powerful shit, man. Mm -hmm. That is powerful stuff. So Mm -hmm. good on you, man, to figure this stuff out. Now you keep some of these habits going for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Your life is going to be unstoppable. You'll make of it anything you want. So keep going. Yeah. Thank you. You're you're making me like 
yeah, I'm, I'm happy hearing this. So that when well, I want to say thank you to you guys again, because like, like I wrote in the, the letter to you, like we hear enough people on the podcast talking about this. And again, it's just like, you know, that's what it takes. It, it's a long-term game. You got to have that delayed gratification. So there's times where we're like, you know, we want to have a nice house now and be able to entertain and have people over. But in five years, in 10 years, because we're living in this 500 square foot basement, we'll be able to do those things. So um, yeah, getting back to having some more time, not being committed to my, what went from the, the beauty of my job and why I wasn't frustrated is I could, with my man, my, my efficiency and managing my time, I was able to do like a 45 hour work week in 25 or, or 30 hours, right? Go see customers, get all that done right away in the morning, come home and then have the afternoons for, for calls. But then with COVID and everything, um, my role really shifted. So it started to get frustrating. So I was working like 40, 50 hour weeks. Um, and then so also doing my, my own skill building and my own kind of sales business building on the side. So when I quit my job in August, that freed up, you know, I'm only doing 30, 25, 30 hours a week with, with the role that I'm in now. So using those mornings to start looking at, okay, we've got this house now that we owned for, it had been just over a year and, um, the prices have gone up. We moved down to the basement. The rents have increased. You know, we've got some equity in here hearing what other people have done on the podcast. We start looking at a few things. I bring my dad on board as kind of the, the JV and, and the support for the bank. Cause they don't Handy like Handy to have the dad. Yeah. Handy to have the That's dad it. for sure. They don't like the commission role. So we start looking into everything there, um, pulled out some equity from our place. And then we found a couple weekends of showings in London, which was really fun actually, because getting back down to London, talking about Western, some, some nostalgia there for Maggie and I, but seeing a few places, uh, made a couple offers. We ended up getting a place that was hindsight. It was, it was perfect in terms of what we were looking for. Um, three bedroom bungalow. It's got the basement suite potential. There's tenants in there that are like awesome. They're paying a, a, a market value rent and they take great care of the place. So we signed that in November and closed on that in January. So that was kind of the next step when we had the, the, the time was getting everything. So January so, of this year. January 2021. Yep. So that's been awesome. Um, really great to have that, uh, pick that up before things really have now spiked again. And then from there, um, going back to, you know, keeping that structure that I've been able to implement, then it was the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole. So now it's, you know. So back on the real estate first, yeah. before we go down the Bitcoin stuff, on yeah. the real estate front, why did you pick London? What was your dad? Your dad was obviously on board because he had real estate before. But tell me a little bit more about your real estate decision making. Was London just close to Waterloo where you were? Why London, Ontario for that property? Yeah. The good price points. It's kind of a combination of all that. We, we liked London because, um, you know, it was fun to kind of go down there and, and visit um, when we both went to school there. And um, secondly, price point, a little more affordable, um, similar what style. What was the price point roughly? So we, it was listed for 399, which is what everything was listing for. We got ours for 453. And then like the next week or two, um, my friend who helped us get it, like things started, went 475. Now similar houses are in the fives, like low fives. So we got in at a good time. The, the kind of the niche that we were with there, having the tenants in the house and with us not wanting to move in and also not wanting to flip it or burr it or anything right away. There was only two other offers. So everything else we were seeing was 10, 15 offers. But so, because this one had tenants in mm -hmm. it, it yeah, was good for you. It fit awesome. what we were looking for. So that was where some of the patients came in because we lost out on a couple bidding wars previously and we weren't giving up or anything, but it was just the, the patients and knowing what we wanted. Um, and it, it worked out awesome. You were happy with the interest rate. I already know because, mm -hmm. well, I don't know with your context being so young, if you even know what like a five or 6% rate, which when I say five or 6%, that's low mm -hmm. just for context. Yeah. But I know it's saying that to you right now, you mm -hmm. might think that's high, yeah. but, uh, so you, yeah, you got a good interest rate. You have the, uh, that property, 
tenants are already in there. Mm-hmm. Does it cover its costs for, for you? Are you guys comfortable with the, the, the finances on that? Yep, everything's covered. It also, with, with the line of credit we took out for our current house, it covers the, the, the pay down on that with a little bit of cash flow left over. Oh, good um, for you. So yeah, awesome. it, it, the numbers worked out really well, which is great. So the, the plan with that would kind of be for as long as those tenants want to stay, we're, we're happy to keep them. And then if and when they move out, then we would look at doing the this the second suite Putting conversion. an accessory suite in mm-hmm. it. Yeah, awesome. So that would be the plan with that. Um, so yeah, once we were able to get all that sorted, then more time opened up again. And I'm also getting more comfortable in, in, in my role There were two things. I, I picked up a, a new side hustle in terms of the, the sales role that I'm doing now, it's it's either, it's like a phone consultation or, or even Zoom now. That's for high impact coaching, yes, correct? that's okay. for high impact coaching. And then through there, um, it's actually someone I met in Craig's network. He, his whole business shifted, his name's um, Joe Marcoux, he's out in Winnipeg. His whole business shifted from being a traveling salesperson, giving presentations and whatnot, to now with COVID, he wasn't able to do that. He started doing what he calls his, his SOS dojo. It's, it's an objection handling for salespeople. It's like a practice and training and role play. And so he worked, he was a client of ours at High Impact Coaching, and I had been connected with him through Craig right from the beginning, um, last, last April. And so I had been working with him, like I, I like hired him as, as my sales coach and was working with him, and he was ready to scale his business. So I started working with him in terms of co-teaching and now solo teaching groups of, of people, like other entrepreneurs, business owners that are looking to improve their, their sales skills. Um, what we do is it's like 45 minute sessions where you'll practice an objection like I don't have the time or I need to think about it or I have to talk to my spouse and then how you can handle that, how you can address it. So, oh my God, I did all that stuff. I don't know if yeah. Jeffrey Gittimer is still around. I don't know if you've ever heard of that name, but he was like no. a sales coach mm-hmm. and way back, I think in the year 2004 or five, I was paying a monthly fee mm-hmm. to get videos from him back then yeah. to on how to handle exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Right. So holy smokes. Well, that's the thing. All, all these coaches that we help with, with our business. They, they get all the systems set up and then they get on their first call and then they ask someone for money and someone says, no, no, it's too much money. And then they don't know how to handle that. And then everything crumbles. Right. So it's, it's about building confidence. That's mostly what it is. It's confidence and mindset. But, you know, it, you, you pitch it as it's objection handling. So I picked up that as like a and there new... are some technical things. Like I remember for me, what was really powerful in sales was understanding the idea. I don't know if this language is still used in mm-hmm. sales, but it was the idea of setting up from uh, an upfront contract mm-hmm. saying, OK, if you're not ready now, mm-hmm. what would it take? for you to do something like this. Let's map that out together and perhaps yes. I can kind of serve those needs. And then you have this up con- upfront contract between the both of you. Whereas if, you know, these things are met, they naturally will buy from you. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember when I first understood that concept, and I'm probably not doing it ser- a good service right now explaining it, but that was just powerful for mm-hmm. me because it was a way to extend the conversation and be of service, mm-hmm. not just Bye, bye, bye. Yeah. It was like, really, what would it take? Like, how can I serve you That's better? It. That's it. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not being salesy, right? It's coming from that, that truly trying to look out for their best interest, being that, that advisor for them. So we help people with that. So I'm doing, that's my new like side hustle, a couple hours a week, um, hosting classes with that, making a bit of extra money, which is great. And then on top of that, um, yeah, the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole. So as you start to bring on people talking about Bitcoin and everything, we've kind of set up the second property. We're now at that position that I know you've talked about a lot where you're in the buy, hustle, buy, where we've bought, we're all tapped out in terms of what we have, equity and, and, and cash and everything else there. So we're waiting a few years for some things to build up. Yeah, and then and it's frustrating and you're pissed off. That's how, <laughs> that's how Nick and I are. We're like, wait a second, we just bought. We can't do anything. We'll read more books. Yeah. But we're just pissed off because you're impatient. You mm-hmm. want to do more. Yeah. Right. And well, it's the most frustrating thing for a real estate investor. 
on the common thing I hear a lot too through all of everyone in the personal development and real estate investing is like you want to like I know we all kind of have the same thinking of you're striving for more you always want more but I know Nick Nick advised me too like make sure you're taking some time to enjoy it and, and reflect along the way because Maggie and I were just talking on the way here like okay what kind of new ideas can we get when I'm talking to Tom and like how can we take more action so that was where, where Bitcoin came in is we start learning about Bitcoin and pretty quickly um, down that rabbit hole so now my time consists of doing doing the sales calls, um, doing doing the training on the side, and then I'm just on Bitcoin podcasts pretty much all day. Other than that, so I'm going a little crazy with that and becoming, like you said, the, the annoying guy that's like telling my mom buying Maggie's parents a, a, a cold or a cold storage for Father's Day and her Mother's Day, and it's like you guys got to buy this. <laughs> so totally, we forced our mom to buy some, and now since the price has gone up since she bought it, she's much more injured. It's funny when the price goes up. And I know in the last two weeks, definitely the price went last week. I think it was when it went straight down for that one day or one hour, whenever that was where the price was just coming straight down. But, uh, uh we forced our mom to buy some and, uh, but it was, you know, I guess almost a year ago mm-hmm. or maybe not quite six months ago, nine months ago, whenever it was and the price has gone up mm-hmm. and it's magical when the price goes up because yeah. then, it, then everyone gets more interested in it. Yeah. You know, it's also in, in kind of, Bitcoin is reminding me of why I hated stocks in the stock market because you get pulled into focusing on the price mm-hmm. every day. And it, it, it's made me realize how great real estate is because real estate is just something you set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. And you do have to two or three times a year, you get that call that's always at the most inconvenient time yeah. that you have to deal with it. But you can't really push a button and sell real estate. So you're mm-hmm. almost forced into the long term with real estate. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've really come to appreciate about real estate because if you hold it for long enough, even if there's no appreciation, which we know in today's world, there's likely going to be appreciation with the devaluation of the currency, mm-hmm. that uh, you hold it long enough, the debt get, gets paid off and you still have that income stream and you own an asset. Many times Nick and, I, Nick and I have argued about selling properties and it's always when one of us has to deal with something that we don't want to deal with, like a, a you know an unexpected vacancy or repair or a flooding or a roof yeah. or chimneys falling off or whatever it is, or somebody, we had student, one of our student rentals, this one was by Mohawk College. Uh, we still have this property. They were having parties and I'll never forget this. We get calls from the neighbor that I guess they're having parties and the, the kids that they're having over almost your age, Connor, yes. are going outside and they're like, urin- they're drunk. They're like urinating on the neighbor's car. And these are the calls that we're getting and having to deal with and say, hey guys, listen, when you're having a party, you can't have your buddies going next door. This is like a family neighborhood here. We need you to kind of be a little bit respectful, not a little bit, be fully respectful here. Mm-hmm. So when you're dealing with all that kind of stuff, you're like, let's just sell this thing. What are we doing? But real estate forces you to stay yeah. in the game. And then because of that, you reap the wonderful rewards and you can refinance it and pull out equity and do all these things. Mm-hmm. So there is huge benefit and I'm almost reminded of that benefit because of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. because Bitcoin has sucked me back in a little bit to like, oh, well, what's happening with Bitcoin today? What's the price at today? Where is it going to go tomorrow? Yeah. What are the charts looking That's like? Exactly and right. I've been out of that world for like 15 years, yeah. right? So uh, it's, uh, I can see how you got sucked into that and now you're sucked in pretty good. Yes. So what uh, I'm, you, you've bought some and you believe it, I believe in it. Why do you, why do you like Bitcoin? What, what, what's your angle on this? It goes back to you guys again, I guess, with the, the three buckets. Like we're trying finally dialing that in in terms of the, the cash. Uh, we've got the real estate, like the income coming in. I'm trying to you know get build business building for myself now. And then the, the hard money was never something like Maggie and I talk about with, with, with our parents even. Like we're having a lot more conversations about money and, and investing and everything now. But like growing up, um, I'm really grateful that like my dad instilled, my parents instilled the good savings with us. But it was never talk of like, you know, how do you invest and how do you, how do you multiply the money and everything like that. 
So we just, you know, hearing from, from podcasts and people talking about it, we basically, our approach has been like, these people are really smart. Like, like you talk about following the trends. Um, there's really smart people talking about this. Like we should probably look into this a little bit more. And then it just became like, everyone kind of says like, we bought a little bit of it. Remember the first time I bought it, like everything you guys have talked about on here, I'm sending an e-transfer to BitBuy and it's like, I don't know, like shoulders are tense and whatnot. <laughs> Same thing. Like now we look back, it's like, why did we not just like put it all in at the start? Obviously that's easy to say now. But um, it just became, you know, buying a little bit of it and then you get interested in it and then you listen to a few more podcasts and every time you hear something, it's like you talk about the, the financial outlook of everything and the money being printed and, um, you know, we're, we're new to learning all this stuff, but just absorbing as much of it as, as possible, it, it just makes sense. And then it's just really, really exciting to think about, you know, the most recent update. You talk about the, the future of, of, of the finance and, and banking. So reading the Bitcoin standard, reading all these books, um, listening to the podcasts, you know, it, it's it's pretty quickly that you fall down that, that, that rabbit hole. So now it's to the point where where I'm trying to have conversations with, with people and like I understand what everyone's saying on these podcasts and I, and I get it, but it's hard to then teach it and explain it. And that's where I find like same with the sales position that I'm in. You know, I, I know what I'm doing, but when if you truly want to master something, you, you have to teach it. So I find that that's been really good of trying to like my younger sister or, or my mom or, or a friend of ours, like trying to explain to them Bitcoin and everything, you got to go back to the start and you can't talk about, um, you know, all the, all the deep level stuff that you see on, on Twitter, you have to be able to explain it and then it helps you understand it more too. So I'm still getting like comfortable with, with all that. Cause it's been the past few months where we've really been, been diving in with, with Bitcoin and everything. But, um, it, I find that so fascinating. So that's going to come because I think sometimes, sometimes I maybe take for granted how easy it is to speak about interest rates or debt mm -hmm. or what's going on with the valuation of the currency. And maybe we don't speak about it in ways which are helpful mm -hmm. to everyone. Cause if it's the first time you're hearing these concepts mm -hmm. and you throw these ideas around, it might go over people's heads. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back by any means. Mm -hmm. I just mean, after you study something for a long time, mm -hmm. you kind of take for granted some of these concepts, but what I have found is that when you study something long enough, you can simplify them. Mm -hmm. And with Bitcoin, I'm personally not there yet. No. Because I find when I'm speaking about it, mm -hmm. I don't have the fluidity that I have with some other concepts. Yeah. And even when I'm reading the books, I feel like I'm really understanding these things mm -hmm. or hearing a podcast with like yeah. Robert Breedlove and yeah. he's like so eloquently explaining things. I'm like, yeah, totally. I get that. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I think yeah. the same thing. But then when I try to explain it to my friends and I'm kind of tripping over myself or even on this podcast here, mm -hmm. I find myself sometimes tripping over myself in this world. I'm like, wow, there's so much more to learn. Mm -hmm. So um, you're going to get there, obviously, if you're, you're doing this now. Well, Are any of your friends into this yet? Well, so that's the other thing I was going to say is it goes back to even with myself, when, when a friend of mine introduced me to Rich Dad Poor Dad years ago, I wasn't ready to hear it yet. You have to have the conversation with the right people and like being careful who you're talking about your goals with and who you're talking about your investing with. If people aren't ready to hear it, then it's going to be frustrating for them. It's going to be frustrating for you. Um, so friends wise, I have one really close friend that, that, that's into it. We're talking about it all the time. Um, he's busy as well. Like he's a real estate agent. So he's in the same mindset for sure. Um, Otherwise, you know, I've tried to bring it up a few times like casually, but people aren't quite there. So now it's to the point where, you know, you hear on these podcasts, like I want my family to, to be buying it and everything. And I'll send articles, I'll send a few things, but they're not ready to hear it. Like I've got both my sisters have bought some. Um, we bought Maggie's parents a cold wallet for, for um, uh, their anniversary recently. My parents, I'm trying to get them in on it too. So like I'm, I'm willing to be extra hard on, on my family, but you know, with friends and everything, that's why we love leaning on people like, like Rockstar. Um, the people that I work with, we, we talk about crypto and everything, but you got to be talking to the right people. That's something that, that I've learned is you, you can't, you know, try and force it if it's not there with other people. And that was another thing with Craig where kind of going from, for me, it was like the, the five figure habits to, to the seven figure habits where 
I was always listening to podcasts and everything and, and I was wanting to learn things, but it was more, it was, it was fantasy football and it was spit and chicklets. Like it was hockey related and everything. So now I've shifted all that to it's all your life, your terms. It's, it's different podcasts, um, with, with investing and mostly Bitcoin. And so like you just said, and I tried to explain to you, it's, it's hard to reiterate all that stuff. I understand what they're all saying, but it, it's hard to explain it to other people. So you got to be talking with people that understand somewhat what, what's going on. And I forget, is that what Greg says about the seven figure habits that you just have to put in better information into your head? Is mm -hmm. that what he's, is, is that the summary of the seven figure habit versus the five year figure habit? Yeah. The five figure habits of you know, hanging out on the weekends, watching football on Sundays. Like I'd love to do all that stuff, but if you want to advance and, and get ahead, you've got to shift th those ways of thinking. Right. And that's where. Um, for, for me, it's the whole, you know, water the garden in, in your head with, you know, the positive, the, the, the books, it's all the mindset work. It's all the stuff in the morning where you literally need to rewire the, the 25 years of, of conditioning that you've had. And that's the, the thing that I really love about my role right now is in sales. It's like, it's like paid personal development in terms of every morning we're on team calls. Like the, the guy that I work for, he, he's been doing this stuff for like five years and you know, he's um, cold, cold, um, not even cold showers anymore. He's got like the full cold tub and like mental challenges and, and different like 75 hard like um, diets and everything like that. Like all this hardcore stuff where, you know, you surround yourself with those kind of people and it's like, yeah, I can be doing more. Like, so I've implemented some of that stuff Good and for you. it's just challenging, like challenging yourself with that versus like slipping back into what's comfortable and, and what's easy. I remember when I went from tech support into a sales consulting role where I assisted the salespeople and I was explaining the technology to the salespeople. Mm -hmm. And one guy I really respected, he was like the regional sales manager for a group. He was an American guy, Mexican American guy and really got along with him. And I was walking in one day and I'm like, Hey, I'm so happy to be in sales. And he goes, Tom, you're a sales consultant. You're not really, which meant I had a pretty high base salary still. Mm -hmm. and I got some bonuses. Mm -hmm. He goes, you're not really in sales until you carry a quota. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of looked at me and laughed good naturedly, but yeah. like kind of laughed. Yeah. And I remember he turned one way to like where the sales manager's area of the floor was. And I turned my way to where I was going to sit down as a sales consultant. And I remember taking that walk, parting ways with him thinking, holy shit. I'm not really in sales. Mm -hmm. Like I'm kind of in sales. I'm close to sales, but I'm not really in sales. And I guess it took me a month or two and I just gave notice. I said, hey, I'm switching spots on the floor. I'm going from here and I want to go into straight sales. Mm -hmm. And that's when uh, Ruben Furtado, if you've heard that name, he, mm -hmm. he's you know with us here at Rockstar. He was my first sales manager because he was a sales manager. Okay. And I announced that I was going to go into sales and a bunch of the sales managers wanted me on their team because I could speak the technology. Mm -hmm. So they knew that I was going to be fairly decent in sales. Yeah. And he tapped me on the shoulder. He had a spot, was the first one to have a spot on his team. And I went over and uh, my whole life changed because it's like you're facing your fears every mm -hmm. single day mm -hmm. in sales. You're always facing a new quarterly quota or a monthly quota or an annual quota. You're always having new people to discuss. You always have objections to over, uh, you yeah. know handle. And I just find in life when I meet people who have had face-to-face -face sales experience or now Zoom, 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 face mm -hmm. experience, yeah. whatever, uh, over Zoom or over the phone. Those are the people that typically seem to get things done in life. When I meet people who've never had sales experience, I find that they tend to see any problem or challenge as a big, bigger issue than it truly is. Mm -hmm. And they, they kind of freeze. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you've had some sales experience, you know that you're going to have a challenge every single day yeah. and you have to overcome it every single day. So when you say getting into sales is like, you know, your role now is like being in a personal development role. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. And I never understood that. I read about that in books 
And I heard other people older than me say that, you know, you need some direct sales experience. Mm -hmm. And I think I was scared of it until I got myself into it and overcame some of my own fears. And now when I see someone like yourself getting into sales at your age, mm -hmm. yeah, the world's your oyster, man. So good, good on you. Well, thanks. Yeah. And I know you've talked a lot about, you've, I've resonated with a lot of things. You've talked about the, the sales and, and the development with it. And the other part of all that too is like finding those people that you know, I found really valuable, people that are living the life that you want to live. Like the, the guy that I'm doing hired as, as my sales coach and I'm working with, like he's back and forth between his cottage working from there and, and working from his place. And I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. Like I want to, and same with like uh, Craig and, and, and like my mentors in terms of the, the team members that I work with, like one of the guys he's been doing sales, he's a former school principal, been doing it for 20 years, like just absorbing everything from, from these guys. Like it's the whole, like buy that, right. You know, invest in, in, in yourself and, and learn all those things. You don't have to go out and do it on your own. And then when you hit some of the mental roadblocks and everything like that, you get a quick pep talk and get back in. Cause that's the other thing with sales. It's, it's the roller coaster. You want to try and make it that steady upwards climb, but some of those downwards, uh, you can feel kind of alone. So having that support has, has been huge. And, and, and Maggie, um, has been obviously, um, she's been super supportive too of, of everything going on. So that's, um, you know, that, that's, I guess this all came from the first question that you asked in terms of where we're at now, like in terms of, it's been a whirlwind the past couple of years, but um, the, like, especially 2020. Why did you join? So we have this thing that we don't talk about too much. It's mm -hmm. our VIP group. We mm -hmm. don't bring that up very often. Mm -hmm. um, and you joined that yeah. group here at Rockstar. Yeah. What made you do that? Oh, well, you know, we've been listening to all the podcasts and then attended, joined as a regular inner circle member. And I didn't really know it was a, it was a thing. And then you sent it out the one week with, uh, or the one month. We promote that usually once a year. So that's it's a pretty it. small group yeah. and we really don't have spaces yeah. often. Um, and yeah, that's why we don't give it a big push. So I think your marketing and where I'm working, like the space, like Craig, all the, it's all kind of interconnected. Oh, we're all students Dan, of Dan, Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy, right? Yeah, yeah. Anytime so, I see marketing from Craig yeah, Ballin, we all yeah, get it. We yeah. all understand. Oh yeah, you were a Dan Kennedy student as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I read, I read your copy, your copywriting letter. I didn't even have to be sold on it. I didn't know it was a thing. Like I didn't even know it was an option. So then I read it and I hear all the bonuses you get and everything. I'm like, this is awesome. But um, yeah, well, the, getting the further access to, to you guys and like having a call with Nick a couple months ago and the, the trainings were on now, like, you know, meeting Darren and um, the Latin guys that were just we had a training with yesterday like it's just so valuable Maurizio's a cool dude yeah. right oh. another western student yeah yeah exactly so just realizing ever since um, I invested in myself with Craig and got into the coaching space like that's what I do on a daily basis now is I help coaches set themselves up to reach more people like it's kind of that that pay it forward effect like that's the, the cool part of what I'm doing now is we help people get themselves out there so then they can help that next person and, and, and whatnot. So just that investing in yourself, like definitely trying to practice what, what I preach because that's what I tell people to do every day. Um, but yeah, just, you know, we've gotten so much value out of the podcast and everything and just having further exposure. Cool. To that. Are yeah. you part of the Telegram group that we have? We yeah. started that in the last year. I feel like since COVID started, we started that Telegram group. That's been working out and it, it's a little bit, sometimes it's a little bit of a gong show, but yeah. in a good way. Yeah. I think everybody's, uh, you know, very kind of supportive and helpful in that group. So cool. Well, and that's the big thing for Maggie and I is like we, we hear from what, everyone, the, the stories, the experienced investors, like the things trying to avoid the mistakes. We know some of those are inevitable. Like I know, knock on wood, like tenants so far, we've been very fortunate, but like you hear, you see in the telegram group, I'm, I might not necessarily say that much, but I'm reading and hearing how people are handling such certain situations and confident that if any of that ever comes up, we can reach out. Like I've reached out a few times and people have been great to point us in the right direction and just learning from others that have done it again, back to kind of what I talked about. With yeah. And it's weird. I think in life we're trained to not make mistakes and as soon as you overcome that and mm -hmm. realize the more mistakes you can make, the faster mm -hmm. you can make them even, the further you're going to get ahead for yourself. Yeah. Like the mistakes are 
and failures are the raw material you need to make better decisions going forward. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't understand how to explain that better to people. It's like, if you do not have a lot of mistakes, you don't have a lot of data points to go off of, to make better decisions in the future. So we tell everyone here at Rockstar, when you join Rockstar and you're working with us, Mm -hmm. if you mess up, great, mess up faster, get it all over with, mess up every day. Don't make the same mistake repeatedly, of Mm -hmm. course, but mess up all the freaking time. You need to mess up to understand how to succeed. Yeah. I'm sure Craig Ballantyne talks about this stuff and you share this stuff, but to me, I don't understand why that is not drilled into students at grade school and mm-hmm. high school. We, instead, we're trained, you make a mistake mm-hmm. and you get a, a, a an X next to it and it's wrong and mm-hmm. it's a negative. Mm-hmm. Where in my world, in my worldview, no, no, you wanna make all the mistakes you possibly can make. Yeah. Get them all going. I'm trying to teach my son that too and I think he's very receptive mm-hmm. to it. It'll be interesting to see him over the next 10 years. He's about 10 years younger than you, yeah. how he goes through it. But I'm like, yeah, make, make all the mistakes. Don't be scared of making mistakes. So if you're listening to this, if there's anything that we would like to share with you, it's make the mistakes. And the other thing would be, don't wait too long to celebrate your successes like Nick shared with you. Yeah. One of the best Big things one. we ever did was we were probably two years into starting Rockstar and we bought a place in Croatia mm-hmm. so that we both, Nick didn't even have, no, Nick was just having his kids. One, just had his first Ella, yeah, right around that at that time. Okay. And uh, that buying that property there wasn't that expensive. Well, to us in context, it was a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. But reflecting back now, it wasn't that expensive, but it probably cost us two or three or four, two or three or four rental properties mm-hmm. here in Canada. Yeah. And that was the best thing we ever did Mm -hmm. because we have 10 years of memories. We got to go there for a month every month, except for last year is the first summer. We haven't gone since we got it. The kids have been growing up going there. They get a different worldview. And I think some people question us because they were like, why aren't you taking that money and buying more rental properties? Mm -hmm. And it did hold us back because we were growing this business. So a lot of our money was going back into this business and we were at a standstill. We were at that frustrating point where like we couldn't pull any more equity from properties we did own, Mm -hmm. but we were buying this place over there. But reflecting back on that, and I, so I would have been 36 or, you know, 37 or so when we bought that property, that was like the best thing we ever could have done. So that's something you're 28 now. Maybe you don't have to do it right now, but you definitely don't want to to wait until you're Mm -hmm. 50 Mm -hmm. to be making some of these moves. Mm -hmm. You want to live now. I think that's probably something that COVID's taught all of us is that you want to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I feel like you don't need any guidance, Connor. You're like, you're on your way. No, I'm telling you everything. Like it's, it's, we appreciate you guys. And Maggie's going to hear this. She's going to hear all the the praise that she got. And she's going to hear that. And she's like, so we need to get something nice for ourselves. Now we need to treat ourselves a little bit. It's a fine fine balance because you don't want to, Spend it all, but you just don't want to wait too long either. And I, and I find there's usually two types of people. There's people who are just spending all their money all the time. Mm-hmm. So they never accumulate any assets mm-hmm. of any any sort, any of, of any quality. Or then you have people who are just waiting forever, mm-hmm. right? So you just want to strike that balance. And I think we blindly did it. And looking back, it was the best thing. Um, and it wasn't super expensive. I think just um, that that condo in Croatia, I think in Canadian dollars at the time was $120,000. And looking back now, I'm like, wow, okay, that really wasn't that much. But at the time, always relative. that $120,000 mm-hmm. was like every penny we could scratch together that we had between young families growing this business. And that was that was literally everything, yeah. right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, you want to kind of strike that balance whenever is right for, for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting. What So what, what do you, you're working the sales job now. Mm-hmm. And then you're going down their Bitcoin rabbit hole. Yes. There's a lot of interesting things that's going to develop in that whole space, mm-hmm. which gives me a lot of excitement for your generation because mm-hmm. your future is going to be very different. I think the banking system is going to crumble and they don't know it. 
I think, you know, you're 28. I don't even know if you remember CDs. We still probably mailed them to you. Look at these yeah. things in the mail going, what the heck are these guys doing <laughs> sending out the CD? But MP3s ate the music industry. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced Bitcoin's going to eat the finance industry. Mm-hmm. And will companies like TD and CIBC adapt and maybe buy like a BitBuy or a Ledin and these kinds of things? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if these brands will go away, but their business models are going to be thrown upside down and they don't even see it coming. Yeah. But it's happening. Yeah. So you're here at an interesting time because be, between your understanding of real estate and now this digital finance world, you're going to be able to marry those two together to your advantage. The future is bright. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to do, I guess, is just learn as much about that. Like, I know Jeff Booth, like just really fascinated with everything he's talking about with the advancements in technology and everything. So I guess just following, you know, trying to build skills, um, build, build sales skills that, that are relative in the marketplace. Um, we're trying to keep our feet in each of the, the quadrants, like from Rich Dad and everything, like doing a bit of the investing with real estate, bu- buying some Bitcoin. Um, Maggie's excited about teaching and everything that she's got going on there, which is amazing. So we're, it's funny because the, with all these big changes, um, it's Maggie's the thinker. And I'm, I know she, she unlocks, like, like I said, the, the quote from Think and Go Rich, she unlocks what you know, drives me and pushes me in, in the best possible way. And she kind of pushed me and encouraged me to get into sales. And then she was thinking when, when we schemed for our second property. And then uh, now, just even this last week, she's like, yeah, I feel like we, we're, we're due to do something here. Like, we, we got to make some changes. So we're trying to balance, like we've just spoken about, like wanting to push and wanting to want more before we have kids in a couple of years versus in enjoying some things now. Like, I feel like I'm in this kind of quiet calm where I'm looking for something more. So I don't know what that's going to be. But, um, you know, really, really... Um, you know, I guess reflecting on some of the changes that have happened in the last year, like the role that I'm in now is, is awesome. I, I love it. Um, you know, our setup at home is, is great. We're just waiting for things to open up so we can, you know, network with people like Rockstar and everything in person and just bounce ideas. Cause I feel like that's one of the things with everyone is we limit ourselves in terms of what we think is possible, but then you have these conversations with, with other people. And then it's like, Oh, I wasn't even thinking like you hire coaches, you hire mentors cause they, they see the bigger picture and, and then you kind of take action on it. It's the big thing, right? get those ideas and actually take action on it. So we're looking for something in terms of what, what can be the next step, I guess, is where we're at. Yeah, excited for you. And then what other books can you suggest? So you mentioned a couple. Do you have any more? Because these are some great things. So Think and Grow Rich, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Like one, I feel like Craig Ballantyne has like multiple books, The Perfect Day, but he also has The Perfect Week. Yeah. I think yeah. I like The Perfect Week one even better. I think I, we, we hand out copies of that. I'm assuming you have a, a copy of that book. Yep. But I love that book. Mm-hmm. Um, any other books that come to mind? Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course. Yep. You mentioned The Bitcoin Standard. Yep. Anything else come to mind for you? Definitely, like you said, Craig's The Structure. That, that's been a big thing because you put the rocks on the calendar first. Like he talks about that. What's most important? Um, setting aside that that magic time where you're, you're doing undivided attention before you get into the, the busy work. Um, so that one's been huge. Everything I learned from him. And then um, just, again, I kind of said I, I turned off of any, any learning and everything. So all these books, like the, all the, the self-development books, um, I think I started with Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. That was a big one because I was always taught save, save, save. But then kind of coming up with those different accounts of, you know, this is your spend account. And you got to practice and grow that muscle too, right? And treat yourself. Um, so that was a, a big one for me. Um, a lot of the Dan Kennedy books I'm getting into now. You know, the, the, there's so many of them. Um, the, the Dale Carnegie's with um, the um, How to Win Friends and Influence So you people. read that one? Because mm-hmm. that's one of my all-time fav- favorites. Mm-hmm. How difficult was that to read? That's I didn't also, find, yeah, okay, that one's not as bad as Thinking Grow Rich. It, I didn't find it as bad. Like that's, so I kind of focus now on, it, it, it's the sales books, it's the self-development books, and it's the Bitcoin books. Those are kind of my, my three. And depending on, like I, I just, um, one of the ones I- So you've mastered real estate, eh? 
Well, well, so that's the thing is. No, I'm joking though. Once, once you understand real estate, yeah. it's pretty simple. You mm-hmm. get it. Acquire asset, mm-hmm. generate income from yeah. asset, hold on to asset. Yeah. Like it doesn't get more complicated than that, really. No, yeah. I'm not trying to say I mastered that at all. I guess like the <laughs> podcast is more. And I'm joking with you. Stuff. I'm joking with you. Um, um, but no, um, I was just, I was just going to say the one that I just read on the weekend, like it was an, an easy one day. It's like, um, is it called The World's Greatest Salesman? Is that, is yeah, that the, the Greatest world? Salesman in the World, the greatest, Augmentino. Yeah, yeah. That's a freaking great book. That you read that one, book? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, man. I pretty much he ever... also read, uh, I think he wrote The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm-hmm. That's a great book from him as well. I'm reading um, right now The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. That oh, I love that book. Yeah, it's literally, it's Tom, it's everything you guys list. I've yeah. got a running list and I check it off when I buy it off Amazon and then just working through it. So the nice thing, I guess, with all those years of not really being into this stuff is there's a huge list that I'm just kind of getting into the, the, the big names right now. I haven't even really gotten down into like lesser known things. So I'm being able to read through all those, but um, that's been a huge thing is just feeding your, your brain with the positive, the positive stuff, right? Getting out of the, removing myself from the negative situations with work and everything. Um, even social media, like clearing all that out. It's now only if I'm on it, it's just you know, positive things, business related, um, personal development stuff and just, you know, huh, so you've made a conscious decision to eliminate some social media. Yeah. Oh yeah. And try to as much as possible um, with all of that. And then just Twitter, um, trying to not get down too far of, of the, the Bitcoin rabbit holes um, with, with that. And then oh, the Bitcoin rabbit hole on Twitter is deep. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that, yeah. that one's deep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but try to clean up a, a bunch of social media and then just podcasts, books, um, and then you know, cutting out as much TV as possible. Like obviously still watching the Leafs games and everything else, but um, just trying to focus on those, those things that are most So important. right at the beginning when you shared about Rich Dad, Poor Dad and why it maybe didn't resonate with you or you weren't picking up on some of the concepts, mm-hmm. what would you say to yourself back in the university days or the day you graduated from Western that could maybe mm-hmm. help you understand? Is there anything that comes to mind? I don't know how I'd convince myself. Like now, so for example, Maggie's younger brother, Jack, he's about that age when I was finishing and he just bought a place in Stratford. And we gave him Rich Dad, Poor Dad for, for his birthday. He at, bought a place for himself to live in? Yeah, so he's he's been someone that I've kind of like, we've been able to help him and he's asked some questions. And it's been, it's been really cool because he's now interested and, and I've put him onto a few of your podcasts. He's buying some Bitcoin. So it's things are starting to click a little bit. So he's bought a place and then he re, he's starting to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he's like, Connor, like, I, I have a Poor Dad job. Like, he's like starting to think about this stuff. So for, for me to try and give myself advice back when I was, was 24 is just like, don't sell it or buy it out from your dad. Like trying to just convince myself to do that. I don't know, again, if you have to be ready to hear that or, you know or what, just what it is. It made me realize it almost made me feel sad there for a second because our school system is still putting out young mm-hmm. adults who are smart, intelligent, and driven. And they have this context of get job as your yeah. path to success. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I guess I've been so removed from that stage other than with my own children. But mm-hmm. hearing you explain that story, I'm like, oh, my gosh, how many Canadians are out there who still are kind of living in the dark when it comes to creating a life that they really can create? Well, and God bless our parents. But like even a couple of weeks ago, Maggie's mom were having a conversation and she's saying to me, she's like, Connor, all these skills you're building, like, it's amazing. You know, I think they'd be really great as a teacher. Like you get your pension, you get your summers off, like all the safety, the security things where like my whole thinking right now is doing the opposite of all that, right? Take all these risks and do all these new things. But we get trained into like get into policing. All my friends are in firefighting, um, teaching, nursing, like all these safe jobs. All right? firefighters end up as real estate investors. Though, Connor. I can tell <laughs> yeah. you for a fact, they're all going to be buying properties at some point. Well, firefighters that, are some of the best real estate investors. Well, that's, it's a perfect foundation, right? It's a perfect setup. But yeah, we get trained to do all these things and avoid those risks and not make mistakes and all the things we kind of spoke about where having to like I said it goes back to a lot of the mindset work of trying to rewire a lot of that thinking where our, our parents they're looking out for the best in us but it all seems risky right buying the second property what if what if 
like it just goes to the craziest stories. Like what if the roof blows off? Like all these different things, but um, you know, just taking the consistent action, not letting those fears hold you back, buying a little bit of Bitcoin at the start. Like you don't have to, you just get your feet wet a little bit and learn as you go. That's kind of what the, the mantra, I guess, Maggie and I have accepted is these smart people are doing it. We, we trust them. Like you guys, it's been amazing for you us. You guys are a smart couple yourselves. Stop it saying <laughs> that you guys got it figured out. I think one, I'm trying to think what else can I offer you? There's not, I think you've got it all figured out one thing. And I think you just listening to, it, I think you have it figured out as well. But when I started, ident- I remember reading in some of the books that you're referencing mm-hmm. to live in integrity, mm-hmm. live in integrity. I kept reading this and I was confused by it for years. And my life really changed when I was in my 20s when I identified, this is going to sound so so silly, but it was a sales VP at Oracle played a video, an old VHS tape video of a, I think it was a Notre Dame coach who Mm -hmm. was talking to a football team and he was saying, we live by these principles Mm -hmm. and he laid them out and it was always do the right thing, Mm -hmm. give 110% and treat others as you would treat yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you live by those principles that you've outlined for yourself, you then are living in integrity. Mm -hmm. And to me, that changed my life because I didn't understand what living in integrity meant. I did not outline my own principles for life. Mm -hmm. And living by those three principles have changed Nick's life and my life. Because it compounds when you live, it makes decision making simple. Many times in this business, we've been approached by, you know, interesting characters, we'll just say that, on yeah. to promote different yeah. things. And it's never been the right thing to do. So our number one is do the right thing. So mm-hmm. it's always been like, it doesn't matter how much money's to be made tomorrow mm-hmm. by pitching some real estate opportunity. If it's not the right thing to do, it's not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So we're not doing it. And it's just really, it's removed any second guessing. It's just been very simple. And the other one, um, that give 110%. I never really understood that one really well. Like, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm always gonna give the most I can. Mm-hmm. But the power of 110%, and it was Rohit Nair, a, a, a rock star in our circle yeah, member who, saw that. Yeah, who reminded yeah. me about this. And it's a really powerful concept. It's that if you give 99%, mm-hmm. if you start with one, mm-hmm. and you give on day number two, if you give 99% of your effort, if you multiply that, one by 0.99, you get a lesser number. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, if you give 99% and multiply that again to the number, you get a lesser number. Mm-hmm. And your output's going down and down and down. But if you give 1.01 or a little bit more every day and you keep multiplying that, it compounds and it grows. Mm-hmm. And that's why every day you have to do what you think is that one extra little thing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when we were growing Rockstar, it was like, we would love to walk out the door and not doing the two phone calls that we knew we should yeah. do that day. Eat the frog, right? Yeah, totally mm-hmm. eat the frog. Mm-hmm. And we would go back and make those phone calls or you know, write that blog post before we left for the day that we mm-hmm. knew we had to do. And it compounds and it builds. And so sometimes I think when people come to us and are like, hey, you guys are achieving so much. I don't think they realize that we're just following this plan. Mm-hmm. We're not like we followed a lot of teachings from marketing from Dan Kennedy. Yep. We've lived by these principles and that's all we've really done. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of created this life that we're feel, feel very grateful to live, to meet people like yourself and now to share your story in the podcast, like a thrill for me. Yeah. You know, so well, thank you. No, no, and thank you. And I guess just one quick note on all that is that's something that I'm, now that I've got some more time part of that introspection, everything like in, in the mornings, just thinking about, you know, what, what is most important. And, and with my, with my role now, I talk to a lot, 
of coaches that similar to probably the pitches that you're getting, they've got their, their pitch, right? It's a lot of people in, in, in mindset and, and spiritual space where same kind of thing, like two years ago, you would have told me about some of this manifestation and law of attraction, whatever. I would have been like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but get out of but here. now yeah. it's like, you know, you start, that's where Maggie and I are trying to figure out, like get that clear vision of, of what you want, like take action, like think about it, what you focus on expands, right? And, and feed the positivity and just some, some of that stuff is, you know, like you're talking about with the principles, doing the right thing, be, being positive, you attract all, all that good stuff. So not that I'm fully into all that, but that's just, it's interesting because it's something that I've really opened up to over the past year as well, where a couple of years ago, I would have dismissed that uh, completely. Right. So appreciate you sharing all this, Connor. Um, anything else you wanted to share before we wrap here? No, I think we covered it. I, I, again, I've said thank you so many times on here, but um, everything you guys are doing, it's, it, it makes it easy. Like for, for anyone listening, like just follow the principles. Like it's, yeah, yeah. and you don't action. have to say thank you, but uh, thank you anymore. You've done more than enough. Listen, you know what gets us excited is mm -hmm. when you go out and help other people yeah. mm -hmm. from a positive way. If we all do that together, mm -hmm. think of the community around us. Mm -hmm. If we are all out there positively contributing and positively trying to help other people, that compounds and it creates a wonderful environment for all of us to live. Yeah. So the fact that you're out there and we know you're out there living that way and doing that kind of thing is awesome. And that's the biggest thing that we could ever hope for, that there's a like a growing community of us doing that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So uh, if someone did want to reach out to you through your email address, what uh, can you share it again? You mentioned it to me and I forget. Yeah. Connor it's, underscore. It's just first name underscore last name at hotmail.com. So um, I know Maggie and I, like the, we're looking for other young people that are thinking these kind of ways that we can network with and, and, and in person and everything. So if anyone has any questions or if I've said anything that resonates with someone, I'm happy to hear from, from anyone or set up a There's a, call. a bunch of you in your 20s that yeah. are now Rockstar Inner Circle members yeah. that next time we do a live event, mm -hmm. I think I'm just going to point to the corner. I'm going to say anyone who's 30 and under, yeah. go over into that corner and all meet each other because you guys are a bunch of smart, powerful people and you should all know each other. And there's a, there's a few. Do you know... Do you know Spencer Brown who started working uh, with us? He's teaching a class on how to sever lots here at Rockstar. No. Um, so a civil engineer, but mm -hmm. a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. He's been buying lots around Ontario where okay. he's buying a lot with a specific kind of depth and width. Mm -hmm. And then he's keeping a rental property on it and then severing it and selling off the other piece wow. of the lot yeah. to fund his next purchase. Or now he's severing, I think, and keeping and building on it. So, and he's now giving back by teaching a class here. He got his real estate license. He's Good now friend. here at Rockstar mm -hmm. and teaching a class to other investors how to do this. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of you in your 20s that are going to take over the freaking world and I'm happy <laughs> for you. So good good on you. Connor, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Maggie, thank you for the cookies yeah. that you shared. So I uh, really appreciate this, Connor. Thanks for, for everything you've shared today. Awesome. No problem. Anytime. Hey everyone, so hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Connor. I definitely did. Thanks again, Connor, for coming and sharing your story. Really appreciate that. You totally motivate us, so thank you for sharing the way you have. And if you are listening to this and you wanna check out our YouTube videos from Rockstar, you can go to youtube.com forward slash Rockstar Inner Circle and hit subscribe so you don't miss any. That's youtube.com forward slash Rockstar Inner Circle. That is it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>